as I've said many times, not for children. Um, I am going to be transparent. And given that this is a podcast geared towards single Christian women, I would not be surprised if many were offended by it or upset or frustrated or annoyed. I don't know a lot of things, but I want to talk about it because the truth is it's a lot of Christians having sex. It's a lot of old Christians, young Christians, new Christians and old Christians, as in like the ones who have been around saved for years. And if we keep acting like sex is not a thing in the church, we're going to stay bound. And I don't like fronting. And I'm not even really sure why I haven't told the whole true deep story about sex and what it means to me. But I felt inspired today as I just listened to a podcast by Lateris Whitfield and he had a guest on his show. Her name escapes me, but they really just inspired me to tell the true story about sex and to really get into the actual nitty gritty about why it's important to wait to have sex. And so while I have this dialogue on my mind, while this thing is heavy on my heart, while I'm thinking about it, and even just imagining the implications for myself, I decided that I wanted to share this with you so that you can think and you can make a decision. And so that's what we're going to do today on the Own Your Singleness podcast. Welcome to the Own Your Singleness podcast. I'm your host, life coach, and relationship educator, Jessica Hutton. I'm the founder of Live and Love Enrichment and author of a great new book called Own Your Singleness, How to Live Well and Thrive While You're Single So You Can Love Well and Thrive in Your Future Marriage. And every week on the show, we're going to talk about all things related to living and loving well. Specifically, we will talk about how to own your singleness, overcome barriers to creating a life you love, and how to nurture healthy relationship patterns that will enable you to get, keep, and love quality men and relationships that could lead to marriage. So I believe I've told you guys that I lost my virginity when I was 14. And it's a funny story how that happened because (laughs) when I lost my virginity, I didn't know anything about sex. I was in high school. I was 14 years old. And, you know, aside from like little PG, maybe PG-13 movies or episodes and stuff like that. I didn't know anything about sex. And um, yet that was all people seemed to talk about in high school. And the first thing that occurred to me is what the heck is the big deal? And so there was this guy who was in all my classes. He was in my homeroom and he was in all the classes I had. What do they call? They weren't called periods when I was in school because that's way, way old school. I was in high school from 1999 to 2003. So whatever we called it during that time, I think we just called it hours. Well, this guy was in my class hour and I was not attracted to him. He was stupid. He was annoying. He was all the things that you would not want in a boyfriend. And yet he was the most forthcoming. He was the one who always talked about sex. And I guess when I think about it in hindsight, I was attracted to him because he seemed experienced. And since everybody acted like sex was the thing and like it was enjoyable and you was missing out if you wasn't doing it, I figured why not go to the man who knows what he's talking about? Now, mind you, he was a boy. He was 14 year old just like me. In fact, he's a little younger than me. And so 
one day with my fast self, F-A-S-T, that's what they call, uh, unfortunately, most of the time, they call young black girls who are flirtatious or who they think are flirtatious or who they call cute or whatever. That's a whole nother subject. But for the sake of what I'm talking about with my fast self, I went to this boy on a rainy day during passing period. And I said, why do people always talk about sex? What's the big deal? And his response, I kid you not, 14 years old, he was like, well, I can show you. I can't tell you about it, but I can show you. And so my thought was like, cool, let's do it. How do we do that? Fast forward, I made arrangements for him to come to my house after my mom was at work and everyone was supposed to be going to school. And I didn't get on the school bus that morning. I don't even remember how I did it. I think I pretended like I forgot something or whatever because my brother was in school with me. So wait, was he? No, he was not in high school yet. So I was the only one in high school. My brothers were in middle school and they had already left. And so it was myself at home. And I think I just pretended I forgot some and I couldn't catch the bus. And so I'm still at home waiting for this boy to come over. He lives about 20 minutes away from me, but he rode his bicycle (laughs) to my house. (laughs) It's a horrible story. You got people on bicycles, y'all trying to have sex. Anyway, he rode his bicycle. I don't know how long it took, but I imagine if he lives 20 minutes away in a car, then it was probably 40, 60 minutes to get to me on a bicycle. Um, so anyway, there was nothing special about this event. I'm just looking at him like, okay, so what do we do? And his whole idea is just, you take your clothes off. Well, I didn't, I don't think I took all my clothes off. And then fast forward through this, what I realized and know was an awful experience. I look down and there's blood all over my sheets. Now, you know what my sheets were made of? It was a cotton bed set. And I had clouds on my bed set. I had clouds on my sheets, clouds on my my comforter. This was clearly a kid's bedroom. And I, I think I begged my mom for this cloud bed set. And here it is, blood on my bed from losing my virginity to a boy who rode his bike to show me what the big deal was. I didn't feel good when it happened. I didn't feel bad when it happened. It just happened. And then after that, I was thinking about what my friends were going to say when I finally made it to school during lunchtime because it took forever for uh, for this thing to happen because, you know, my body wasn't excited. I'm not going to get into graphics, uh, graphic details. My body wasn't excited by this experience. Um, so it took forever for this to happen. But after it did, um, and I saw the blood, I'm trying to figure out how do I hide this from my mom? Because at the time, my mom was still the one doing everyone's laundry. So you don't just have bloody sheets and she don't ask questions, you know? I already started my period two years ago, two years before that. So she knew that wasn't what it was. And I didn't want her asking questions. So I'm trying to figure out how do you do laundry and how do I make up my bed and not be too late to school so they not calling my mama. Now, I'm sitting at the edge of my bed, getting dressed. He is not planning on going to school because he sometimes went to school, sometimes he didn't. But anyway, if I recall correctly, he just left 
on his bicycle going wherever he was going to go. And I'm thinking about what I'm going to tell my friends when I finally get to school about what happened. Because like I said, it wasn't a happy experience. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't, it was just, it just happened. It was just a fact that I wasn't a virgin anymore. When I finally got to school, it was lunchtime. And I remember my girlfriends sitting on the floor. They was just chilling or whatever. And they were like, where have you been? What have you been doing? And I said, oh, so-and-so, I am not a virgin anymore. And I acted like it was just like this huge deal. (laughs) And it wasn't. It was awful. It was like an awful experience. And um, they were like, what? And it was like this kind of like this sense of jealousy in a way. Because they, you know, I guess they wanted to lose their virginity too, but they didn't yet. And so it was a weird exchange. And they found out who the guy was. And they were like, ew, you lost your virginity to get that guy? What's wrong with you? Ew. And then I became like this weird hero. Now I wasn't a virgin anymore. Now I was a woman. Now I had experienced something that no one else does. And and now they had all these questions for me that I wasn't prepared to answer. Questions about sex itself, as in performance. What do you do? How do you do this? And all that. I don't know. I just lost my virginity. I'm not even really sure how it happened. It just happened to happen. But these are the questions they were posing to me. And here I am acting like I'm this grown woman with this expertise. And I, I don't even know how I actually feel. Now, fast forward, time passes on. And I'm thinking I'm dating this guy, right? So he took my virginity when I was 14 years old. I'm thinking we're in this relationship. I was with him for about a year. Now, I didn't know he was talking to other girls. He was doing all the things, right? But I kept having sex with him. I don't know how many times we had sex. I don't know the details. I just know that I kept being involved with this person. And I'm thinking he's my boyfriend. Um... Sometimes he was really good to me. We would hang out. We would go have lunch. We would do all the things that cute little 14-year-olds do. But we also had sex. And then um, somehow or another, my, my, my mother and his mother found out about it. And then next thing you know, the details are blurry. Because because it's associated with trauma. And to be honest, even though I lost my virginity at will, the experience is still traumatic to me because I would have, I wouldn't, it's not the way to do it. And he didn't do anything to me. He didn't violate me. He didn't rape me. You know, he didn't do nothing like that. But it was traumatic, I think, because it's not the way to do it. But also, it was the fact that he never cared about me. So like I said, I'm thinking I'm with him. He's my boyfriend, right? So I'm with this dude this whole time. And then come to find out he's talking to other girls, all kinds of girls, having sex with everybody, all the things. My mama and his mama find out my timeline may be off. Like I said, it's blurry. They find out we have sex. And then next thing you know, a year of this, I had sex with him again 
at my house again. And as soon as we were done, everything in me said, you're pregnant. I don't know nothing about pregnancy. And I know it may sound crazy to say, I don't know how you get pregnant. I don't know none of that. I wasn't on birth control. I wasn't, you know, none of that. He wasn't using condoms. You know why? He told me he drank too much Mountain Dew and smoked too much weed to get me pregnant. <laughs> and so from where he stood and me, I'm I'm an ignorant little girl. I believe him. Of course, Mountain Dew and marijuana is going to make you um, impotent. It's going to make you, it's going to lower your sperm count. Of course, that makes sense. So I let this 14 year old boy have sex with me and I'm pregnant. Everything in me tells me I'm pregnant. Then everything in my memory goes black. I don't remember the details. The next thing you know, I'm telling my cousin, she's a year older than me. I said, I think I'm pregnant. I believe she asked me, how did I know? And did I take a pregnancy test? Now we talking about a 15 year old and I, I think she was 16 at the time and we going to the store to get a pregnancy test. Now, how you get a pregnancy test as a teenager? All I know is we got a pregnancy test. Then my mind goes black again. This, my memory is literally gone. Y'all don't remember the details. I take the pregnancy test. Sure enough, I'm pregnant. You know what the sad part was is Meanwhile, we all, my family, my siblings, my mom, we still going to the family doctor, right? And the last experience I had with the family doctor, I'm at a certain age and he, you know, my mom's in the room and he asked me, are you sexually active? And I'm quaking on the inside and my mom's sitting right there. She didn't say nothing. She didn't even look at me funny. I don't think she suspected that would even occur to me. And I told the doctor, no, I said, no. Mm -mm." And he said, are you sure? And I said, yes. And um, then fast forward, I don't know how much time passed. Now I'm going to the doctor to confirm I'm pregnant at 15 years old. So I lost my virginity when I was 14. I was having sex with this boy the whole time who can't get me pregnant because he's smoking weed and drinking Mountain Dew. And then next thing you know, I'm pregnant. And then my life goes black. My life, my memory is black from the time that I was pregnant. There's ins and outs. I remember small details while I'm pregnant. And then when I gave birth to my son, I remember some details. A lot of it is black. I remember him coming home, bringing him home with me. And then the details are black. I remember him being a toddler, but most of his toddler years are black. I don't remember a lot of these things. And being a mother, at that age was the most traumatizing thing in my life. Losing my virginity was traumatizing, but I didn't understand that it was traumatizing until I became a full grown adult who looked back over my life and wish I had done things differently. So I'm a teen mom and in my family, there is no such thing as abortion. I wasn't even, a, I didn't support abortion. I didn't know anything about abortion. So it wasn't like a thing for me as far as understanding goes, but it became a thing when the boy who took my virginity, when his mama said that I should get an abortion, she told my mother that that's the thing I should do is go get an abortion. And so anyway, what the conversation ended up being, she's not going to get an abortion. We don't do that in this family. And that was it. Adoption wasn't a thing either. And so I was this young girl, didn't know what the heck I was doing, didn't know what I had gotten myself into, 
I got my mom who got her own things going on in her life. Now she got to deal with a teenage daughter who's pregnant and having sex. And we don't do abortion, but adoption is not an option either. And we don't even realize that until I bring it up and tell my mama, I don't want no baby. I told her that pretty much all the time. I don't want no baby. I don't want to have no baby. I don't want to have no baby. And I said, I don't want this baby. Somebody else can take this baby. She wouldn't, she wouldn't do it. She wasn't having it. And now we have a toddler. Most of his life, that age, I don't remember. And then we have him going to kindergarten. I don't even really remember that. If it weren't for pictures, if it weren't for school photographs, if it weren't for my mama taking pictures and his other grandparents taking pictures, because they love him now, just to let y'all know, I wouldn't remember. There would be nothing to jog my memory because it all went black. And why am I telling you this? It's because there is a way that sex is supposed to happen in our lives. And it didn't happen that way for me. It was nobody's fault. Nobody raped me. I wasn't forced into this. This whole thing was my idea. And nevertheless, it was traumatic. And I know it was traumatic because from the time I lost my virginity till about the time my son was five or six years old, my memory is all over the place. It's literally black. There were times I would, I would almost, I would weep almost every single night wishing that somebody would hypnotize me or wishing that there was literally some way to go back in time so I could remember my child's baby, babyhood, when he was a baby. I would have my cousins talking about, oh, you remember when so-and-so, I'm not going to say my son's name. Well, you remember when your son did this? And you remember when he was a baby and he said that? You remember? And I've been looking at them with blank stares like, what are you talking about? But there was a way for sex to happen. And that's not the path I took. Now I'm 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. I don't know I'm traumatized. I don't know what sex has done to me. I don't know the soul tie. I don't know the things that have happened because I'm just doing all of this blindly. I knew I was soul tied. I didn't know I was soul tied. But basically, after after I got pregnant, after I had the baby, the boy who took my virginity, the father of my child, he ghosted me. He quit school. We only sophomores. Dude was gone. He was never at school again. And I couldn't find him. And I didn't have a car yet. Even if I did, I wasn't going to go to his house. So it was just me, my mama, my siblings, and a baby. And it was like that for years. And then I got a boyfriend when I was 17. And then he and I ended up moving in together. He didn't like my toddler. My toddler was too much for him. So we living together, and that's a traumatic relationship. But I'm having sex with him, too. I'm having sex with him now, not two. (laughs) Let me clarify. And then that relationship ended. Then I'm having sex with this person, that person, this person, that person. I did that for years. To the point where I was one of them people that if I wanted to have sex with somebody, I just went for it. I wasn't asking no questions. It was just simply, you ready? Let's get it. My sexual history was awful. Meaning most of the people I had sex with, most of my sexual encounters were literally awful. They weren't enjoyable. It was just sex. But what difference did it make to me? I'm just having sex with people because there's something I'm looking for. Like I said, hindsight, I'm looking for love. I'm looking for acceptance. I'm looking for belongingness. I'm looking for somebody to really, truly want me and to stay. But they never did. 
And so I would settle for horrible sex with people who couldn't give one nothing about me. Y'all, y'all gonna make me want to cuss <laughs> on the on your singleness podcast. Couldn't care less about me. And I did this over and 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 over. And then the trauma hit me. Then I realized this traumatized me. I have an extensive sexual history. And people say, you're not supposed to talk about that. Because I've heard on movies and I've seen all the stuff. Like people will say, if a woman says she has sex with one person, it means she actually had sex with three. If she has, if she says she has sex with seven men, that means she actually had sex with 21 that's stupid. That's just another bias because basically it just shows you how uncomfortable men and society are with women's sexuality. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what your faith is. Generally speaking, people are uncomfortable with a woman being sexual. And so they paint these wild, crazy pictures of a woman's sex, sex life to penalize, to criminalize, to judge, to make her feel small, to to paint her as some harlot, some some prostitute, some hoe, just some all the negative things. But anyway, there was a time where I shared my number. It's in a book I wrote tw- uh, 12 years ago. I shared my number, all the people I'd been with that I could remember. And I got this whole history of sex partners. And nobody loved me. Nobody committed to me. Nobody stayed. Nobody was good to me. The sex wasn't good. It was just sex. Yet I kept doing it. And then I was woken. I was awakened to the trauma. I was awakened to the traumatic impact. And that's what made me shift and say, there's there's something else that I've been missing. There's something else that's got to give. And that's why I like talking about sex. But for some reason, I haven't completely talked about sex on this podcast. And that's why I want to talk about it today. My focus is I want to talk about the real reason that we should avoid sexual activity outside of marriage. Christians, the ultimate reason we believe we should avoid sex outside of marriage is because the Bible teaches us that. But I understand that the Bible teaches us a lot of things, but if we're going to be real, the Bible saying it is not enough. I, I mean, I don't mean no disrespect. I'm saying the Bible saying it is not enough because if it were, we would abide by the word of God and his will every single day. But he gave us free will. We can do whatever we want to do. But there's precepts that is laws commands of the Lord that are in scripture. And there are principles that will help us improve the quality of our lives if we apply them. And yet we still have free will. Now, people will argue that the Bible doesn't explicitly say that you can't have sex outside of marriage. That's because those people just want to do what they want to do. And they act like uh, flee fornication and if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart they act like somehow that don't apply now there's more in the scripture about fornication and adultery and all those things but basically when people say the bible doesn't explicitly say not to have sex outside of marriage what they're seeking is an argument to justify having sex and i know that because i was one of those people now here we are The Bible says 
not to have sex outside of marriage. We get taught about soul ties. If anybody talks about sex at all, they mention soul ties. That's always the safe conversation to have about sex in the church, particularly when you're talking to single people. We get taught about hell. You don't want to go to hell for having sex. Sometimes they'll bring up the natural consequences like unwanted pregnancies, STDs, heartbreak, all the things. But people don't talk about the struggle. Now, I did a podcast maybe a month or so ago talking about the real reasons to wait to have sex. But even that was a cutesy podcast. I wrote a cutesy blog and then I repurposed it into a podcast because I wanted to address sex. But to be honest, I just wanted to make sure I had enough content to publish podcasts on time. And so I repurposed a blog that I had written maybe a year or so ago. And while it is true, it doesn't paint the cold, hard, deep fact about why it's better to wait to have sex. And then today I was triggered because I listened to a podcast, as I said at the beginning, and it made me remember that it's deeper than all the stuff we be talking about. And I want to address that because like I said, what y'all heard me talk about was all the trauma that I had experienced to the point where I got blackouts for years, years of blackouts because of sexual experiences. So now I done had sex with all these people. None of them loved me. None of them committed to me. They were pretty, pretty much not good to me. The ones who were good left. The ones who I loved, I did, didn't love me. And the ones who loved me, I didn't love them. And it was just a whole hot mess. And then I wanted to wait. Then I decided I got to wait. I got to wait. But I couldn't. I got a whole history of sex that wasn't good, but I still couldn't wait. So it's like the struggle is real. Why is it hard for Christians to wait when they know better? Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what this lady said on the podcast. She said, sex blinds you and binds you. Sex blinds you and binds you. Now, I alluded to that in the podcast I said about the real reasons to have sex, to wait until have sex. I alluded to that, but I didn't get into it. But it's true. Sex blinds you and binds you. In my case, sex blinded me because I was I had blackouts. I had traumatic blackouts. It blinded me to the consequences of having sex outside of marriage, having sex outside the will, the design, the purpose of God. It blinded me to the fact that my sex life was awful. Yeah, I was having sex, but it wasn't good anyway. It blinded me to the fact that my heart was broken every time they would get up and leave. How you just going to leave me when you don't spend hours with me having sex with me? How you just going to wake up and leave? You don't even wake up because you don't go to sleep because you don't spend the night. You just leave. When you're done, you leave. It blinded me to the fact that it was not enjoyable. It blinded me to the fact that I'm still having sex without condoms, without protection, even though I don't want to have children. It blinded me to the fact that these people be sleeping around with everybody, but somehow in my mind, I'm not going to catch HIV, AIDS. I'm not going to get any STDs. Somehow I deluded myself into believing these things. So it blinded me indeed. I was keenly aware that they was trifling. I was keenly aware that they didn't love me, didn't respect me, didn't honor me. They had no intentions of treating me with dignity. 
I was keenly aware that these people was cheating on me if we were in a relationship, which most of the times we weren't. I was keenly aware that they were using me. I was keenly aware that they were not going to stay. So I wasn't blind in that fact. But what made me blind was the fact that I chose to stay in some things, even though I knew it was going to hurt me in the end. And that's where the binding comes in. I was bound to them. Sex was the avenue that created a bondage. I was bound to these men and women, mostly men, because I wasn't really bound to women. Women were usually bound to me. <laughs> that's I'll get into that later. But I was bound to men because I needed to be loved. I needed to be accepted. I needed to be approved. I needed to think I was sexy and desirable, wifeable. I needed that. And even though I knew these fools was not the one and they were never going to treat me that way, there was something in me that made me believe that if I put it on him just right, he going to figure it out. He going to stay. He going to love me. He going to like me. He going to realize there's no other woman like me. But since I hadn't been loved by my father, but since I hadn't experienced the love of a man, but since the men that I knew, the boys that I knew were trifling, didn't have nothing going on with their life, their spirit was out of whack, their souls was out of whack, they didn't have nothing going on. Even though that was my experience, I believed that somehow sex was going to be the answer. And so I was bound to them, needing that approval. And I never got it. So when she said sex blinds you and it binds you, it hit me because I knew it was true. And yet here I am, single woman, want to be married. Still want to be married, despite the fact that I've never been loved by a man. That's another podcast that you can go listen to. Despite the fact that I've never been loved by a man, never experienced the love of a man, I still have the audacity to want to be married to a man per God's order and it hit me because I still want to have sex I know all the consequences I've been woke when it comes to the consequences of sex spiritually emotionally mentally physically I'm woke I get it I get it and yet here I am I'm like oh my God Lord I can't do this no more I need to have sex. So it's been, if I'm being transparent again, 90 days since I had sex. I had a friend tell me, if you know how long it's been, then you ain't doing it right. Because you shouldn't be aware of how long it's been since you stopped having sex. I'm like, what kind of mess you talking? You got to go every day, day by day. <laughs> you take this one day at a time. But it's been 90 days. So some people might hear this and say, well, praise the Lord. She's doing things God's way. And other people might listen and be like, this trifling woman been sitting here doing a podcast. She got a blog. She doing YouTube videos. Like she all about Christian singleness and all that. But she was having sex this whole time. That's why we rely on God's grace and mercy. But it's been 90 days. And here I am. I still want to have sex. But now, contrary to what I did before, even prior to them 90 days, even though the feeling is strong, even though the feeling is real, 
even though now I have a history of really good sex, meaningful sex and meaningful relationship, I'm not willing to make that risk. Because even though the quote unquote struggle is real, God's wake up call was realer. The revelation is more real. The truth that God gave me was more real. Understanding that sex really does blind and bind you. That is more real. Knowing that I do not want to be left again in the middle of the day, the middle of the night. Knowing that I want to get married. And I want to have a committed relationship that lasts a lifetime, that's stable, satisfying, and sustainable. Knowing that I want to be loved. Knowing that I want somebody to appreciate me inside and out. Knowing that I want to be one flesh with my spouse and not have all kinds of spirits and souls attached to us. Knowing that, reminding myself of that, and then knowing above all that I want to please the Lord, that's what keeps me. That's what helps me count every day. And appreciate the day that I, that goes by when I stay in God's will when it comes to my sex life. When it comes to sexual desire. So the struggle is real. Sex outside of God's will is traumatizing. And I know a lot of people may say that's not true. But what I know is that everybody experiences trauma. Trauma is universal, but the way we experience trauma is different. It's unique to all of us. So what that means is ultimately what's traumatic to one person may not be traumatic to you. Losing my virginity was traumatic. It wasn't how it happened. It was that it happened. And like I said, I didn't realize that until years later when I'm weeping in the middle of the night because I don't remember things. Having a son, having a child when I was a teenager was traumatic. Now I know we got this romantic idea of teen parents now because MTV made it famous, but I've worked with teenage moms and trust and believe they doing this. They was, they're enduring similar trauma. If not worse, if for lack of better words, if not worse trauma than I endured when I was pregnant, they're in the system having kids, 12 years old, 13 years old, 17 year old having kids, 17. Now you got two and three children. I've seen it. I've worked with it. It's traumatic. But Christians don't want to talk about sex. And when we do talk about sex, we talk about the do nots and we make people feel condemned. We make them feel judged. We make them feel guilty and ashamed because they've had sex in the first place. And God forbid they've been having sex recently. But I'm trying to change that. There are so many reasons to avoid having sex. And there are so many reasons to embrace doing sex God's way. But today I wanted to focus on the painful implications of continuing to have sex when it's not done God's way. I shared a very, very, very small portion of my story of the impact that sex has had on my life. But the reason it's only been 90 days since I've had sex, the reason for that is because even though I was aware of the the negative implications, even though I was aware of the toxic and traumatic and dramatic experience that I had and the impact it had on me emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, even though I was aware of that, I still had longing. I had a sexual longing, just purely physical, biological. I had emotional longing, a mental, a spiritual longing, and that's what it was supposed to do. Remember, the Bible said they became one flesh. 
when you become one flesh with somebody, it's spirit, soul, and body. It ain't just physical. It's spirit, soul, and body. Your mind, your will, your emotions get connected, become one. Your bodies become one. Your spirits become one. Letaris's guest mentioned the fact that when we have sex with people, we take on their their uh, their issues. We take on their character. And I <laughs> I laughed when she said it because she ain't lying. I did. I took on the character of majority of the people that I had sex with, even if I was only with them temporarily. I will tell you my traumatic stories about how horrible I was to my exes. I'm not going to cover that in this podcast because it would take all day. But I became a violent rage-filled person because I was with someone who was violent and rage-filled because that was never my character. Even though I had been through so much, I was never that person. I wasn't violent. I was very forgiving. I was very patient. Even though I went through childhood trauma, I was still very patient and I was still loving and gracious. (laughs) My mom might say differently, but to other people outside my house, that was true. But when I got with this person, I took on every attribute of his rage, his craziness. And unfortunately, the people I dated after him were inflicted with that in the worst way. I was physically violent. I was abusive, an abusive woman. And that was emotionally abusive, physically abusive, even financially abusive. And then I dated another person who I did not know was into necromancy. I didn't realize he was heavily into the occult, but then when we broke up, interesting enough, suddenly I had a desire of occult to to become a witch, looking into occultic things. I was raised in the church. I got saved when I was 12, but suddenly this was a thing for me. I wanted to know. I didn't know it till he moved out, went to the army and his stuff was still at my house and I went through his things. And here we have all these books of the dead. We got all these uh, uh, books about conjuring and all these things. Who knew? I took on his spirit. I dated a man who was depressed. He was depressed and suicidal. And even though I had struggled with suicidal ideations and even attempted suicide when I was a youth, it, it, it amplified after I was with this man. There were so many examples of people that I had been with and the character, the spirit, the mindset, the thoughts, the beliefs that I adopted involuntarily. But because... We became one flesh. You don't just become one flesh with your spouse. You become one flesh with anyone that you have sex with. And so my desire is to help you think about the implications of having sex. It's been 90 days for me. (laughs) Every day I'm like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but uh, I'm going to need Adam to wake up. Because as soon as he wake up, I'm about to jump his bones. That's what's on my mind. But I also know every day, I'm like, Lord, I thank you that your mercies are new every day. And I pray that you help me to live in alignment with your word and with your will, because I want to do your will. Despite how I feel, I want to do your will. Isn't that what Jesus said? Not my will, but let your will be done. So it's a weighty thing having sex outside of marriage. But the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And I guess I just want us to think about what struggle we're willing to embrace you know, the fitness people, they say there's, um, they say losing weight is hard, but so is being obese. <laughs> Choose your heart. You know how they say that, right? Being abstinent is hard, but so is having sex with people who ain't with you, who don't love you, 
who won't commit to you, who violate you, who lie to you, who deceive you, who give you diseases, who impregnate you and abandon you and your child. That's hard to choose your heart. Choose your heart. And we need to choose our heart. And honestly, I think the reason that 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 podcast really got to me is because I was feeling like I wanted to choose the other heart. Like, I don't want to do this no more. I'm tired of waiting. I don't know where this dude is. Ain't nobody got time to be waiting for for Adam to wake up, right? Nobody got time for that. I'm a grown woman. God is merciful. I'm about to go get some. The interesting thing is, where am I going to get it from? <laughs> I'm not about to be out in these streets like, you want to hook up? That's not going to happen. I'm I'm beyond that. But you know what would be more likely? Going back to my ex. Going back to that safe place. To the one who, who knew me before. To the one who still wants me. Going there is what I'd be more prone to do. And yet, that ain't it. That's not it. And so that podcast hit me. It was like a reminder. Choose your heart. And maybe I just want to bring y'all with me in this (laughs) to help you choose your heart, too, because I don't want to be by myself on one side to be like, I like I said, some of y'all gonna be like, it's 90 days. I ain't listening to her no more. She don't know what she's talking about. She don't have sexual integrity to that. I would say, sis, we got uh, the beam and the moat. Wait, what did Jesus say? He said something like, I think a beam and a moat is the same thing. The way I see it is, you got a two by four in your eye, and you talking about the toothpick in mine? Come on now, miss me with that. But it's true. Choose your heart. If what I'm saying is hard, then it could be because we in a similar boat, or it could be because God is dealing with you on some things that may be sexually related that you don't want to deal with. And yet here you are and it's just choose your heart. But you know, the good thing about choosing the heart that aligns with God's will, his word says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. You might just go to bed horny. You might just go to bed and you'd be like, God, I cannot do this no more. You might go, Find a vibrator, a massager, all the things that help you get off. Use your good old hands, good old fashioned masturbation. You might just go there, but you got to choose your heart because his grace is sufficient. You might be tempted to call that ex. You might be tempted to reply to that weirdo on Bumble or Tinder just because they express interest. You might be tempted to do a whole bunch of stuff that you wouldn't do. But God says, my grace is sufficient. And even though his mercies are new every morning, that's not an invitation for us to abuse it, to abuse his grace and mercy. But it just lets us know that his sufficiency, the sufficiency that we have to live according to his will is there every day, every morning and every night. And so I would like to talk about this more. Like I said, on one podcast, I said, I love talking about sex. Sorry, not sorry. But even when I said that, I wasn't really completely real with y'all but I've been feeling it lately (laughs) so I guess it's time and um, I just really want us to think about that the cost of doing things outside of the will of God choose your heart and if the heart is God's way just know and be encouraged by the fact that his grace is sufficient and it's always worth it so think on those things live well now 
Love well daily. God bless. Thank you for tuning in with me today on the Own Your Singleness podcast. My name is Jessica Ann Hutton. Whether this is your first time or if you're coming back for more, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you can listen to some great content, have fun, laugh a little, learn, and just feel empowered to live and love well. It would also help if you left a review. I invite you to go wherever you're listening to this episode and leave us a comment and review the show. Tell me what you love about the episode or better yet, tell me what you want to hear more about in the future. And then finally, if you'd like to receive daily inspiration, encouragement, and strategies to live and love well. And if you're eager to connect with people who are on a similar journey, then join the Own Your Singleness Facebook group. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I provided links to each platform in the description. Until next time, live well now and love well daily. God bless.